Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we're going to be breaking down this week's Honda Classic, which is this week's stop on the PGA Tour. And I got to be honest, y'all, it's not the strongest field this week. There's no John Rahm, no Rory McIlroy, no Scotty Scheffler, no Tiger Woods, which by the way, Tiger looked great last week. I, that got me very optimistic for Tiger Woods maybe getting back in the winner's circle again. But anyway, um, back to this week. So with it just being at a natural spot in the schedule where it makes a lot of sense for guys to take off, the field this week for the Honda Classic is not that strong. It's going to be a lot of guys that maybe you've heard of in passing, but not a whole lot of household names that are in this tournament. And you know, it's kind of a result of the PGA Tour's elevated events. Like we just came off of two of them with the Waste Management and the Genesis, and we're about to be with two more with the API and the players. So I think a lot of guys just chose not to play five weeks in a row, and they're going to take this one off. And I got to say, I don't blame them. So um, we're looking at a slightly weaker field this week. I, I say slightly, but it really is significantly weaker field this week. So what that means is you're going to get an extra leg up by doing your research, by listening to this podcast, and by you know just knowing more about this field than the average player that is you know betting on this tournament, that is playing DFS for this tournament, that is playing one and done for this tournament. The more knowledge you get this week, the more you're going to be able to apply it because it's knowledge that people don't already have. So Let's go ahead and let's start dispersing that knowledge. We are going to break down the course itself and kind of some uh, winning characteristics and winning trends that are true here at PGA National. Uh, and then we're going to break down the golfer profile, starting with the top of the board and going down to the bottom, and then talking about one and done at the very end. So if you're here for DFS betting or one and done, you are in the right spot. So without further ado, let's go ahead and break it down. But first, a quick word from our friends at Anchor. <laughs> So you can say what you want about the field this week, but I think the PGA National is actually one of the more interesting and unique stops on the PGA Tour. It is the start of the Florida Swing. It is located in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. Um, and so we're going to be in Florida for quite a few tournaments now because we're going from um, PGA National to Bay Hill for the Arnold Palmer Invitational to um, Copperhead for the Valspar Championship and then to TPC Sawgrass for the players as well. So it's going to be quite the interesting Florida Swing. And this one is unique because it is designed by the the golden bear himself jack nicholas and it is one of the most difficult golf courses on the pga tour now what that usually lends itself to is you usually end up with thrilling finishes here at this course last year daniel berger had a lead on sunday and kind of just folded down the stretch speaking of which i have no idea where daniel berger is i haven't seen him play competitive golf in a long long time anyway um sepp straka was kind of the beneficiary who kind of just snuck into the clubhouse lead um and then as the final groups were still playing there was a drive rainstorm that came about and Shane Lowry had a chance to match Straka and just wasn't able to get it done out there in the weather um, and I was kind of rooting for Shane Lowry watching I thought the weather was kind of unfortunate but it surely made for a good TV finish so let's break down the course itself it is 7,125 yards, which doesn't sound like a whole lot. It is a par 70, which features only two par fives, but they are the two easiest holes on the golf course. So you're going to want to you know, take advantage of those par fives and get your scoring in while you have a chance. It is Bermuda Greens. As I mentioned earlier, they're designed by Jack Nicklaus. And so this features one of the hardest um, stretches of holes in the or on the PGA Tour, I should say, called the Bear Trap, which are holes 15 through 17. It is the fourth most difficult stretch of three holes on the PGA Tour. 
and you're going to hear a lot of it on the broadcast this week. If you are somebody who plays drinking games, taking a drink every time you hear the bear trap mentioned is going to be something that would be, um, you know, probably something that you could do because they're going to mention it quite a lot. And like I said, this is a very difficult course. It's probably the toughest non-major course. Um, it's very narrow fairways. There's water lurking everywhere. The green complexes are kind of hard to hit to. Um, and so it just makes for a very difficult experience of golf. Now, one thing that is also true about this is driving distance can help you this week, but it's not going to help you really off the tee. Because of how narrow some of these fairways are and how tight some of these dog legs are, there's going to be a lot of forced layups here at PGA National. And so what the advantage of having distance gives you is that you're going to be hitting less club into these layups because everybody's going to be playing the same spot. And then once you're in that same spot, you're going to be swinging a shorter club into the green, which gives you a little more margin for error. So Distance isn't exactly like a determining factor this week, but it definitely is something that can help. Now, in terms of course comparisons, the obvious one um, being that it's a difficult golf course, it's not a long golf course, and it's in Florida, is Copperhead, which is home of the Valspar Championship. Um, another one where you see a lot of comparable success is not super similar geographically, but it has water lurking everywhere. It's not very long. It's a par 70. Is TPC Southwind, which is in Tennessee. Uh, and it is the home of the FedEx St. Jude Championship. Uh, and then I think the best comparison is Concession Golf Club, which hosted one um, PGA Tour event, which was the 2021 WGC Workday event, um, which kind of replaced the Mexico event that was canceled due to COVID. It was kind of a weird situation, but they played it at Concession, which is a Florida course designed by Jack Nicklaus, features a lot of the same features of uh, PGA National. Now, in terms of the type of golfer we want to target, um, like I said, distance is a slight advantage, not because you can just bomb it, but because you can hit less club. Um, green and regulation percentage is really low at this course. So having the ability to scramble and get up and down is going to be important. And driving accuracy is important this week because if you don't drive it accurate, you're going to be in the water and you're going to be taking a drop and you're going to be hitting three. So um, definitely avoiding big numbers is something that we want our guys to have this week. Now, another thing, when you're looking at someone to target this week, Week, this event is not a get right spot. Like this is not a place where somebody's going to come in not playing good golf and all of a sudden discover their good golf again here at this difficult course. That's not something that happens. And so we typically want to pro or what's the right word? Prioritize. There we go. We want to prioritize um, guys who have recent form coming in because that means that you know they're at the top of their game, they're playing well, and that tends to continue happening at this course as opposed to being the start of a run because it is so difficult. Now, in terms of picking a winner, there's a lot of ra random winners here. Um, we had Justin Thomas and Ricky Fowler win this tournament in the past, but recently um, it's been really kind of mid-range to long shots. Sungjae Im in 2020 had the shortest odds of any of the last four winners of this tournament, and he was 35-1. to 1. Now, in terms of lineup building for um, DFS purposes, in my opinion, there's not as much separation between the top and the bottom this week as like most fields because, you know, the guys at the top aren't as good. So like, for instance, last week in that absolutely loaded field at the Genesis Invitational, I'm going to give you four salaries here and just listen to these differences. Shane Lowry was 7,400. Alex Noren was 7,300. Steven Yeager was 6,500. And Kevin Tway was 6,200. 
This week, Lowry is 10,400, Noren is 9,500, Jaeger is 7,800, and Kevin Tway is 6,900. So guys that were just like 100 or 300 apart last week are now like one to 2,000 apart this week. So what that kind of lends itself to is when you're building your lineup, I understand the stars and scrubs approach because the scrubs aren't that much different from the guys in the 7K and 8K range. And I also understand the balanced build approach because the guys in the 8 and 9K range aren't that much worse than the guys in the 10K range. Same with the guys in the 7K range. They're not much different from the guys in the 8 or 9K range. So I definitely think that there's a merit to both strategies this week. The bottom line is you just got to get it right. And so in terms of factors to get it right, we're going to prioritize guys who can get up and down, guys who excel at difficult golf courses, and guys who have good recent form coming in. So um, that's what we want to target. Now, let's take a quick breather, and then let's talk about some golfers that fit those descriptions, starting with the top of the board. So at the top of the board this week for the Honda Classic, the betting favorite and the number one guy on DraftKings, as well as FanDuel, is Sung M, which is... Not shocking, because Sungjae's been playing some great golf. Like I said, he's pretty much the guy you want to bet if you want a guy who's going to finish T12. Well, he didn't exactly do that last week at Riviera. He was at T56, but he really just lost strokes on the green. Like, I don't think he played very bad golf. I just think that he very, just very much struggled at Riviera's green complexes. And I think he has a much better feel for the Honda Classic and these PGA National Greens. He has a win and an eighth-place finish here. And before Riviera, he actually had two straight top-six finishes so I think he's playing pretty good golf tee to green. I think the troubles on the green at Riviera can fix themselves this week when he gets to the familiar surfaces of PGA National. And Sung J.M. is the top guy on the board for a reason. I have no problem deploying him in any format. Speaking of which, I also have no problem deploying Shane Lowry in any format. He was not really playing great golf. He had two missed cuts, and then the Genesis became his get-right spot. He finished T14. And the Genesis kind of highlighted what Shane Lowry is really good at. He's an elite iron player, and he is an elite short game player. And so, I mean, that's what this place kind of requires as well, right? Because we're going to have a lot of force layups, so guys are going to be hitting irons into greens, and you're going to have to be able to get up and down for par. So I think the skill set fits well for Shane Lowry, and his history here backs that up. He has not missed the cut here in five tries, and his runner-up here last year, though, was his only top 20 at this event. So I think that is, you know, he's a really good fit, hasn't missed the cut here. Lowry is also a guy that I have no problem deploying in any format this week. Between the two of them, all things considered, I would probably side with Sungjae, even though he missed the cut here last year. But like I said, I have no problem with Sungjae or Lowry. Now, Chris Kirk is third on the board on DraftKings, and he is probably a stay away from me. In his last three starts, he was really good until he wasn't. He was third at the Sony, third at the Amex, and then missed the cut at the Waste Management. Now, I'll give him that's a very tough field at the Waste Management, but it was kind of disappointing given his recent form coming into that event. And at this event, it's also a mixed bag. He has a 25th and a 7th here in his last two tries, but he had two missed cuts before that. So, Everything is a mixed bag with Chris Kirk, and I don't really want a mixed bag as the guy that I'm going to be starting my DraftKings lineup with or whose odds are this short that I'm betting outright to win. So um, I think he's a little overpriced in Daily Fantasy. I think his odds to win should be a little bit longer than they are, and I, he's probably just a stay away from me this week. Billy Horschel has every trait that we want this week except for recent form. 
In terms of course history, he's been great here. He has a fourth an eighth and two 16th place finishes here. He's got the local knowledge because he is from Florida and he said in interviews before how much he loves playing in his home state, how much he takes pride in playing in his home state. And I gotta say that he backs that up. The what I'm one event I mentioned earlier, the WGC workday at concession, which is the most comparable course to this one, he was actually T2 in that event when Colin Morikawa won it. Uh, and also in kind of a comp course because this course has water lurking in a lot of places. Um, he was T7 at the CJ Cup at Congaree, but missed, well, let me rephrase, recent form is where he doesn't check the box. He missed the cut at the Sony, he had a 32nd at the Waste Management, and he had a missed cut at the Genesis. Now, at the Waste Management, it did kind of look more like vintage Billy Horschel, but the Genesis, every time they showed him, like on the ESPN Plus broadcast, he just looked like just upset. And like, just like he was not having a good time, which is kind of typical of him when it doesn't go well. And so really this week, you'll know by Thursday or Friday, whether or not you're going to get good Billy Horschel or angry Billy Horschel. And you don't want angry Billy Horschel, but because of his success at this course and success in his home state, I think that absolutely makes him playable this week. Alex Noren is coming off of back-to-back missed cuts, which is not what we want, but I'll be honest, I'm kind of willing to forgive those two missed cuts. At the Genesis, it was a super tough field, and he really only struggled on the greens. He kind of played well other than that, and he only missed it by two strokes. It's not like he was just, you know, dead last in the tournament. And then the waste management, he missed the cut on the number, even though he shot a 69 on his Friday round, which, you know, would tend to think that if he made the cut, you know, just got one more birdie on Friday, he probably would have played well heading into the weekend because he seemed to get everything clicking. Now, before those two missed cuts, he had great form coming in, and he has a great track record here at PGA National. He is a third, fifth, 46th, and a missed cut here at this tournament, and he is a guy who excels in tough conditions. Alex Noren is a grinder. He's a guy who excels at getting up and down for par. He is not a birdie maker. And so I absolutely think that this is a great spot, or a great spot, why did I say spot? A great spot to deploy Alex Noren. There we go. That was tougher to say than I thought it was going to be. Now, another guy that is very interesting is Minwoo Lee. So Minwoo Lee's recent form in Europe is absolutely incredible. In his last four starts that it shows on DraftKings, he has a fourth, a third, a second, and a 13th. And those were some fairly tough fields in those Euro Tour events. Now, before that, which are not in his DraftKings game log, he had a 12th, an 8th, a 3rd, and a 3rd. So in other words, he hasn't finished worse than 13th place in an event since October. Granted, none of them have been in America, but I mean... Is the field at this event significantly better than the fields he was playing with in Europe? I don't know, because I'll be honest, this tournament tends to draw these guys like Minwoo Lee, who are international guys, who are trying to ramp themselves up to play in the Players' Championship and in the Masters. They show up for the Florida Swing because you can play all in the Eastern time zone as you head into Augusta. Very smart, right? And so... That kind of is what gets some of these international guys here, and they tend to do very well when they show up here. If you need more evidence that he's a good fit for the course, he doesn't have any history here, but he did have a T28 at the WGC Workday at the concession, which I said is the best course comp to this one. So I definitely think Minwoo Lee is a really, really intriguing play in all formats this week. Matt Kuchar is turning back the clock on his career. He had an eighth place finish at the Genesis last week. He had a seventh place finish at the Sony Open earlier this year. And I kind of think that this is a good spot for him. With that recent form coming in, we know he's playing good golf. And this is one place where the lack of distance off the tee won't hurt him because everybody's going to be laying up to the same spots. 
And this is a place also where I think that the veteran savviness will help him. He's not going to be a guy that, you know, totally gambles away around by trying a hero shot and ends up putting it in the water. He's not going to be a guy that when he hits it in the water off the tee is just going to explode and have a 10. Like he's just got that veteran savvy. He avoids big numbers. He avoids dumb plays that cost him strokes. And I think that this actually, he might not have the upside to win the golf tournament, but I definitely think that this is a good spot for Matt Kuchar. If you're into betting like top tens or, you know, prize pick stuff or, you know, just a guy in DFS, I think he's fine in those formats. I don't think he has the upside to win the tournament though. Much like Alex Noren, Aaron Wise is in a situation where he missed his last two cuts on the number, so I'm kind of willing to forgive those. And he has a really good history here at this event. That's why I'm willing to forgive him. He has a 13th, a 35th, and a 33rd here at this event, but he did miss the cut last year. Um, he's kind of a, just a solid mid-range play in DFS, in my opinion. Denny McCarthy is coming off of a 14th place finish at the Genesis and a 4th place finish at Pebble Beach. I'll be honest, I didn't really think that the Genesis was a good fit for Denny McCarthy. Um, he's not the longest guy in the world, and that course requires you know a little bit of length. And you know, with it being very hard greens to hit, it, it didn't really. His strength is his putting. And so I didn't really think that that would magnify his strength, you know, being on these greens and having to, you know, make long putts, but he did well with it. Right. And at this event, he owns a 30th and a third place finish. And I tend to think that, you know, especially on difficult golf courses, putting travels. If you're one of the best putters in the world, you're going to make putts no matter what course you're at. And with Denny this week, it's going to be making those putts for par as opposed to making those putts for birdie. But I do think that he will or he does have the chance to have a really good week here with that hot putter. Thomas Dietrich is a guy that we've talked about on the podcast here before, and I just think he's one of the most talented golfers in this field. He has not missed a cut since the Shriners Open in October, and he's a guy that he's world-traveled. He's played all types of events. He's played all types of courses. He's seen it all in his young career, and I just think he's just got a lot of talent and a lot of just savviness about him that – um, whatever tournament you throw his way, he's going to kind of adapt and find a way to succeed at it, which is why he tends to make the cut everywhere he goes. And so I think this, this could be a week for Thomas Dietrich to break through and get his win, given that this is a very weak field, given that he's playing really good golf and he is so adaptable to any type of environment. All right, that does it for the top of the board. So let's take a quick breather and then let's talk about some value plays. All right, so talking about some value plays here, I will say the upper 8K range on DraftKings has a lot of players that have a lot of upside this week, in my opinion. JT Poston and Adam Svensson, both are guys who excel at shorter coastal courses. Poston, the recent form is not the best. He's coming off of two missed cuts in tough fields. I don't think he's playing necessarily worse golf than he was at the start of the year, though. I just think that the fields up themselves, and that kind of boxed him out, especially with the longer courses um, at Waste Management and at the Genesis. Um, so I'm kind of willing to forgive him for those. Svensson has a win at the RSM Classic, which is a shorter coastal course, and he just came in ninth at the Genesis. The recent form is there as well. Both these guys, great iron players, which is what you're going to need to be able to hit greens and to make birdies this week. So I like both Poston and Adam Svensson. 
Jonathan Vegas has a very quiet three straight made cut streak since returning from injury. He's a great driver of the golf ball, and that will allow him to swing lesser clubs into greens, and that's kind of going to be his big advantage here this week. Now, what's interesting about him is that he actually has six straight made cuts here, which peaked with a T4. He doesn't have any finishes better than that, but hey, six straight made cuts, and I like his chances to make it seven. Sepp Straka is a big-time boom-or-bust golfer. Um, he is a guy who is either going to come in like top 10, top 20, or he's going to miss the cut by about seven strokes. There's not really any in between, right? Now, what I've noticed about him is he has these pop events, right, where he just pops up and has a win, pops up and has a runner-up, pops up and has a third-place finish, right? And he tends to leave one breadcrumb before popping. What I mean by that is like he tends to have one event where he kind of starts to show the warning signs, and then boom, he's all of a sudden he's you know winning or he's top five, right? Which is exactly what happened when he won here last year. He had one good event, one good finish before that win. And he did the same thing at the FedEx St. Jude last year before losing in a playoff to Wills out Taurus. Well, I kind of think he left us that breadcrumb last week. He came in 45th at the Genesis in a very tough field at a course that doesn't really seem to suit his game. And so we're looking at a guy who is fitting all the trends for what he did last year when he won this exact tournament. So I think that this could be could be a good spot for Seb Straka. Granted, he is very volatile, but this could be a very good spot for him. Aaron Wright very quietly has three straight made cuts in very tough fields. And Aaron Rye is a guy who excels at tough golf courses. He's like Alex Noren. He's a grinder. He is a guy who grew up on the British links, so weather does not phase him. He's used to just grinding it out and making pars wherever he goes. And one thing that Aaron Rye does have going for him is that he came in T18 at the WGC Workday at Concession, and he also made the cut here last year. It was a 66th place finish, but hey, a made cut is a made cut on the PGA Tour, and if you play him on DraftKings or FanDuel, all you really need out of him is to make the cut, and you will be okay with that return on value. So I definitely think this is a good spot for Aaron Rye. Now, Byung-Hoon, aka Ben On, believe it or not, is the course horse here at PGA National. He has a fourth, a 36th, and a fifth here. Now, granted, in his last appearance here in 2021, he did miss the cut, but that course history, fourth, 36th, and fifth, is better than just about anybody. And he actually has four straight made cuts this year coming into this event. So I actually think that this is a sneaky good spot for Ben On. Now, of all the value plays that are on the board, two guys have had consistently good recent form. That's Joseph Bramlett, who has not missed a cut since the Bermuda Championship in October. He has a 7th and a 13th place finish in his last two. He's an elite off-the-tee golfer, so he can use that to his advantage this week by having shorter clubs to swing into greens. And then there's S.H. Kim, who in his last five events has a 33rd, 41st, 20th missed cut, which we can ignore, and then a 12th, right? And that's pretty darn solid. And SH Kim is an elite level iron player, which is what you're going to need this week. Like I said, with all the forced layups, your approaches into greens are going to be with irons, not with wedges. So you want to be able to hit these greens with your irons. Dylan Fratelli is a guy that I don't really play a whole lot because he is very volatile and he kind of doesn't really have a whole lot of rhyme or reason for when he plays well. But one thing that he does well is he is a difficult course specialist. He excels at difficult golf courses. It's why you see randomly 
sometimes on a Friday while you're at work or doing whatever that Dylan Fratelli is in second at the PGA Championship or the Masters or something like that. Like he just randomly pops up at majors because he excels in difficult golf courses. And when he gets hot, he can get hot wherever he's playing, you know, no matter how difficult it is. So I think that he actually is a solid play here, even though he is very volatile. At this course, he owns an 11th and a 16th, as well as two missed cuts, which further backs up the fact that he has a very high ceiling and he is very volatile. Matthias Schwab has a really not a whole lot going for him other than he finished seventh here last year, which is worth noting. He's one of these guys that's coming over from Europe, has a chance to really set himself in a good position heading into uh, the players and the Masters. Aaron Baddeley is a guy that has been around the block a long time. And he played well here early in his career, but hasn't played here recently. But he's been playing some really good golf coming into this one, and I would not mind deploying him in DFS. Kevin Tway is a guy that I briefly mentioned earlier, and he has deceptively good recent form coming in. Three of his last four finishes are top 40, and I don't mind going to him this week because some of those have been at difficult golf courses. Now, down below 7K, I'll be honest with you, I'm kind of willing to just bet on talent, right? Like guys that are talented, guys that are going to have futures on the PGA Tour, maybe those are guys who could have ceiling weeks here at a difficult golf golf tournament. And two of those guys that stand out to me are Eric Cole and Akshay Batia. Um, Both of them have had good finishes on tour in the past, and they play also on the Corn Ferry Tour. It just seems like only a matter of time before both of these guys break into the winner's circle, and I think that you know, why wouldn't it be this week in a very weak field? I just think that there's a possibility for it. Now, Tyson Alexander is probably the name that is as far down the board as I would go on DraftKings or FanDuel. Um, he is another guy, very talented, has a second at Houston, which is another tough golf course, you know, in difficult conditions. And in his last appearance at Pebble Beach, he made the cut, which is, um, you know, he's got a little bit of recent form coming in. So I would not mind going with Tyson Alexander as the last guy into a lineup. All right, so that does it for all the value plays this week. Let's go ahead and take a quick breather, and let's talk some one and done. All right, so a quick update on our one and done. Um, We didn't have any winners last week in our one and done league um, with the listeners, but we did have a few people who were on Max Homa, myself included. And I got to be honest, I'm not mad about picking Max Homa in that event and getting a second-place finish out of him because, like, you know, Max Homa, there's only a few other courses that I could have envisioned myself using him at. And, you know, one of them was Torrey Pines, which was already gone that he won at. So, you know, that was dead and gone. And, you know, he came in second place. It doesn't get much better than that, especially at an elevated event that's worth a lot of money. And to pick the winner, you would have had to pick John Rahm. Well, guess what? I still have John Rahm available. I can pick him in any of the majors or any of the other elevated events. So I'm definitely not mad at all about getting Max Homa with a runner-up at an elevated event. So I'm very happy with that selection. So let's see if we can come through and get another good one this week. Well, here's the deal with one and done this week, y'all. If you're playing with prize money, which most one and dones do, there's not as much up for grabs this week. It's not an elevated event. It's not a tough field. It's just not going to be one of the events that is a deciding factor in a one and done. So what you might as well do is just go for broke. Try to find a guy who's going to win this golf tournament. So pick somebody who has winning upside um, pick somebody who has a ceiling that you know equals winning a golf tournament. And I'll be honest, I don't envision myself using any of these guys anywhere else down the road, right? Like maybe Shane Lowry, if he gets hot, maybe using him in Scotland or England um, for the Open. 
I, I don't know. You know, Sung J.M. plays like every week, so maybe there's another event where he's the favorite. I don't know. Um, Billy Horschel, I, I probably wouldn't use him at Memorial, which is where he won last year because, you know, it's an elevated event. Everybody's going to be playing there. So those three guys, like, they all have their – merits for playing them this week and they all have like very narrow paths to playing them again i would say the one i would be most likely to want to play again is sung jay just because he plays every freaking week so thinking about it i definitely probably want to stay near the top of the board i probably just want to stay with a sung jay or a shane lowry or a billy horschel you know one of those guys near the top and just kind of make sure that um, even if they don't win the tournament, they give you a good finish and you can get some prize money in the bag. Now, I will say probably the two very intriguing plays that I probably wouldn't pick, but I definitely think have a lot of up, upside and probably wouldn't want to use these guys again would be Minwoo Lee or Thomas Dietrich. Um, just two guys that are really talented. I don't think a whole lot of other people are going to pick them. And like I said, I don't see myself envisioning in the future picking either of those guys any other time. So those would kind of be the two outside-the-box choices. Now, what what I would like to do, I, I kind of, I don't know. I'm thinking, y'all, I, and I'm probably going to end up going with Shane Lowry, if I'm being honest. You know, get old, get big old Shane Lowry, and hopefully you can get a win and you, you find him in some local Irish pub in Florida drinking a Guinness on Sunday night. I don't know. We'll see. So I'm thinking Shane Lowry. I might switch it up, but that's the guy who I'm probably thinking right now. I'm really intrigued by Minwoo Lee and Thomas Dietrich, though. So maybe if I can find any sort of indication that either of those two might be a better play, that would be what I would be looking for. All right, so that does it for the one-and-done analysis for the week, and that does it for our preview of the Honda Classic. If you want to see how I took all this information and put it into a DFS lineup, check it out on Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. Those will be going live before the tournament starts on Thursday morning, probably on Wednesday. Now, also, if you're interested in college basketball, make sure you check out our content for the rest of the week. We will have college basketball content coming your way every day. It's about to be NCAA tournament time, y'all. NBA is on all-star break, so it's a great opportunity to get into DFS college basketball and win yourself some money by watching some great college basketball. All right, so that is all we got for this episode. As always, if you like what you're hearing, please rate, subscribe, and review. It really does help me out a lot. And... Best of luck to everybody with whatever you're doing with the Honda Classic this week, whether you're playing DFS, whether you're betting, whether you're doing one and done. Hopefully, I gave you the advice and the insight that you need to have a successful week. Hopefully, it goes well for you. Thank you guys for listening, and I will see you all next time.